Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from How to Get On in the World by Major A. R. Calhoun, published in 1895. Thomas Carlyle said that the first requisite to success is carefully to find your life work and then bravely carry it out. No soldier who won a succession of triumphs, nor business person who reached the top, did not find their beginning slow, arduous, and discouraging. Courage is a prime essential to prosperity. Your progress may be slow in comparison with your ambition, but if you keep a brave heart and stick persistently to it, you will surely succeed in the end. The forceful, energetic character, like the forceful soldier on the battlefield, not only moves forward to victory themselves, but their example has a stimulating influence on others. Energy of character has always a power to evoke energy in others. It acts through sympathy, one of the most influential of human agencies. The vital energetic person unconsciously carries others along with them. Their example is contagious and compels imitation. They exercise a sort of electric power, which sends a thrill through every fiber, flows into the nature of those about them, and makes them give out sparks of fire. Matthew Arnold's biographer, speaking of this power which he had over his students, says, It was not so much an enthusiastic admiration for true genius, or learning, or eloquence, which stirred the heart within them. It was a sympathetic thrill, caught from a spirit that was earnestly at work in the world, whose work was healthy, sustained, and constantly carried forward in the fear of God, a work that was founded on a deep sense of its duty and its value. We all should carefully study the lives of those whose undaunted courage has won in the face of obstacles that would cow weaker natures, especially when we are young. It is in the season of youth, while the character is forming, that the impulse to admire is the greatest. As we advance in life, we crystallize a new habit and nil admirari, marvel at nothing, too often becomes our motto. It is well to encourage the admiration of great characters while a person's nature is plastic and open to impressions. For if the good are not admired, the bad may be taken by for models. Hence it always rejoiced Dr. Arnold do hear his pupils, expressing admiration of great deeds, or full of enthusiasm for persons or even scenery. I believe, he said, that nil admirari is the devil's favorite text.
and he could not choose a better phrase to introduce his pupils into the more esoteric parts of his doctrine. Therefore, I have always looked upon a person infected with the disorder of anti-romance as one who has lost the finest part of their nature and their best protection against everything low and foolish. Bear in mind that nothing so discourages or unfits a person for effort as idleness. Idleness, says Robert Burton, in that delightful old book, The Anatomy of Melancholy, is the bane of body and mind, the nurse of naughtiness, the chief mother of all mischief, one of the seven deadly sins, the devil's cushion, his pillow, and chief reposal. Idleness of the mind is much worse than that of the body. A keen wit without employment is a disease the rust of the soul, a plague, a hell in itself. Thus much I dare boldly say, he or she that is idle, be they of what condition they will, never so rich, so well allied, fortunate or happy, let them have all things in abundance, all felicity that heart can wish and desire, all contentment, so long as he or she or they are idle, they shall never be pleased, never well in body or mind, but weary still, sickly still, vexed still, loathing still, weeping, sighing, grieving, suspecting, offended with the world, with every object, wishing themselves gone or dead or else carried away with some foolish fantasy or other. It has been truly said that to desire to possess, without being burdened by the trouble of acquiring, is a sure way to unhappiness. Even leisure cannot be enjoyed unless it is won by effort. If it has not been earned by work, the price has not been paid for it. But apart from the supreme satisfaction of winning, the effort required to accomplish anything is ennobling, and if there were no other success, the effort itself would be its own reward. I don't believe, said Lord Stanley, in an address to the students of Glasgow, that an unemployed person however amiable and otherwise respectable, ever was, or ever can be, really happy. As work is our life, show me what you can do, and I will show you what you are. I have spoken of love of one's work as the best preventative of low and unhealthy tastes. I will go farther and say that it is the best preservative against petty anxieties and the annoyances that arise out of indulged self-love. People have thought before now that they could take refuge from trouble and vexation by sheltering themselves in a world of their own. The experiment has often been tried and always with one result you cannot escape from difficulties or labor. It is the destiny of humanity 
those who shirk from facing trouble find that trouble comes to them. The early teachers of Christianity ennobled a life of toil by their example. Those that will not work, said St. Paul, neither shall they eat. And he led by example in laboring with his hands. When St. Boniface landed in Britain, he came with a gospel in one hand and a carpenter's rule in the other. And from England he afterward passed over in New Germany, carrying with him the art of building. Luther also, in the midst of a multitude of other employments, worked diligently for a living, earning his bread by gardening, building, turning, and even clock-making. George Washington was an indefatigable man of business. From his boyhood he diligently trained himself in habits of application, of study, and of methodical work. His manuscript school books, which are still preserved, show that as early as the age of 13, he occupied himself voluntarily in copying out such things as forms of receipts, notes of hand, bills of exchange, bonds, indentures, leases, land warrants, and other dry documents, all written out with great care. And the habits which lie thus early acquired were, in a great measure, the foundation of those admirable business qualities, which he afterwards so successfully brought to bear in the affairs of the government. The man or woman who achieves success in the management of any great affair of business is entitled to honor, as much as the artist who paints a beautiful picture, or the author who writes a fine book, or the soldier who wins a difficult battle. Their success may have been gained in the face of difficulties just as great, and where they have won their battle, it is at least a peaceful one, and there is no blood on their hands. Courage combined with energy and perseverance will overcome difficulties apparently insurmountable. It gives force and impulse to effort, and does not permit it to retreat. Tyndall said of Faraday that, quote, In his warm moments he formed a resolution. In his cool ones he made that resolution good. Perseverance working in the right direction grows with time, and when steadily practiced, even by the most humble, will rarely fail of its reward. Trusting in the help of others is of comparatively little use. When one of Michelangelo's principal patrons died, he said, I begun to understand that the promises of the world are for the most part vain phantoms that to confide in oneself and become something of worth and value is the best and safest course. It ought to be a first principle in life to do with earnestness what we have got to do. If it is worth doing at all, it is worth doing earnestly. If it is to be done well at all, it must be done with purpose and devotion. 
whatever may be your profession. Mark all its bearings and details, its principles, its instruments, its applications. There is nothing about it that should escape our study. There is nothing in it either too high or too low for our observation and knowledge. While we remain ignorant of any part of it, we are so far crippled in its use, and we are liable to be taken at a disadvantage. For this may be the very point of knowledge that is most needed in some crisis, and those versed in it will take the lead, while we must be content to follow at a distance. Our business, in short, must be the main focus of our intellectual activities day by day. It is the channel we have chosen for them, and they must follow in it with a diffusive energy, filling every nook and corner. This is a fair test of professional earnestness. When we find our thoughts running after our business, and fixing themselves with a familiar fondness upon its details, we may be pretty sure of our way. When we find them running elsewhere, and only moving with difficulty to the channel we have prepared for them, we may be equally sure we have taken a wrong turn. We cannot be earnest about anything, which does not naturally and strongly engage our thoughts. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. Get the best of our podcast in heirloom hardcover or digital ebook by visiting inspirationallifelessons.com. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you next time.